Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. The Monopoly game at Mackers is in full swing. Download the My Mackers app and play today. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. Good evening, Jordan Canellis with you on the Macca's Run this Tuesday night on SEN. Good to be in your company for this uh, midweek edition of the Macca's Run. Always a pleasure hearing Coxie's voice on the opener as well. The Monopoly game at Macca's is still on. one 736 736 if you'd like to give us a call on the Harcourt's open line for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourt's and you can send us a text on the uh, Temper 40 Winks text machine. Uh, get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. Uh, so there's been a bit happening today in the world of sport, been a bit happening in the world of cricket, uh, the world of footy as well. I think the next big thing to happen in footy is to see uh, who the next St Kilda coach is going to be. And it looks like, well, anyway, my uh, my opinion anyway, is that Ross Lyon's going to be it. I think we're all kind of heading towards that. I think the general consensus has been leaning that way over the last 48 hours after he caught up with St Kilda uh, yesterday for a meeting with the uh, the powers that be at the Saints. zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. as I said, off the text, or if you'd like to give us a call, one of the one three hundred seven three six seven three six to give us a call. One of the the uh, the major sort of phrases that have come out of this, and particularly off the back of uh, Jeff Walsh being involved at the Saints, has been relevance. And the word relevance has been bandied about St Kilda and how, or the lack thereof, how irrelevant they seem to have been over the last couple of years in the uh, AFL landscape. I'm curious, does Ross Lyon make St Kilda relevant again? I think out of all the coaches, and there's been there's a there's a decent sort of handful that have whose names have been thrown into this race for the new St Kilda job. If you were to line up all the coaches and the names, and I'll just I'll give you Ross Lyon, Choco Williams, James Hurd, Adam Uze as a starting point. There's more. There's others that have been involved and whose names have been sort of whispered here and there. But if you just take those four as a starting point, and you think, all right, which one, or which ones can be multiple would make St Kilda relevant? And what does relevant mean? It's a kind of a it's a bit of a loose term because, because particularly in a uh, in a closed 18-team league, every team is going to be looked at. It's not like there's promotion relegation in AFL and teams can fall out and fall out of the league and be forgotten about for years and years until they return, if they return. But the AFL, that's closed, so you always have a look at every team every week, every year. But St Kilda, as far as being in the race for finals, for being in the race for a premiership, haven't been relevant since Ross Lyon was there the last time. Or they've been maybe fleetingly around for a moment since he left, but really in a big meaningful way, it was the last time that he was there that St Kilda have been relevant. So you bring in a new coach. Is it Ross Lyon? Is it, which we think or consensus is, we're all kind of leaning that way as a, as a footy uh, fandom. Uh, James Hurd, his name's been brought about. Mark Williams, everyone's always spoken about him as a potential coach to return 
and he's been around with Melbourne as well. Or Adam Uze, who's maybe the next one off the uh, off the line. Which one makes the Saints relevant? I think it is Ross Lyon. It's a different argument to, it's a different story to say, uh, or a different question to ask, I should say, as to whether Ross Lyon will be the best coach or whether he'll be the most adept at taking St Kilda from where they are now to being a proper contender. I think he's probably one of the more, if not the most well-equipped coach of just those four that I named among the others who could be floating around. But I think if you're looking for relevance, if you're looking for a team or a reason to look at a team and keep an eye and keep tabs on a team every single week, having Ross Lyon at St Kilda is going to be, is going to make St Kilda relevant again. Now relevance has really no bearing on, on what they do on the football field. It's, you know, it comes down to the coach's um, acumen at that point and then what he does with the squads and the personnel on the day and the strategy that he employs. That's what really matters in the league. But because the talk has been about relevancy, I thought, well, let's, let's, let's just explore this for a second. So I understand relevancy is secondary to actual ability. I'm not naive to that. But because relevance was brought up by people within the club, if relevance is what they're looking for, then maybe Ross Lyon, relevance is what they'll get with him. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you'd like to give us a call. zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. if you want to send us a text off the uh, Temper 40 Winks text machine. Don't forget, the 2020 Cricket World Cup continues. We've got uh, a double header on at the moment, so the SEN app is where you can go. Jump on SEN Fanatic and listen to uh, to the regular pro- uh, host of this program, Sam Hargraves, who's calling that game, or those games, uh, from Geelong. So uh, tune in to SEN Fanatic and uh, take your pick of, uh, of your sporting preference tonight, whether it's us here or over in uh, Sydney or Queensland, wherever you're listening to SEN uh, and our SEN network. A couple of calls coming through to chat about Ross Lyon. Let's head over to uh, Joe, who's with us in Roeville, to start things off tonight. Joe, welcome. G'day, Zipper. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. How's things? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Enjoying a bit of the nice weather. Hope that lasts. <laughs> Say again, sorry. I just missed that. Oh, so I'm enjoying the nice sunshine that we're having at the moment. I hope it lasts. Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, I enjoyed the uh, the warmth. It was it was nice just to walk into work today and feel a bit of uh, not not oppressive heat, but just uh, you know, at least it wasn't uh, the the wind and the rain and the cold that we've had in in uh, in the last couple of weeks. What are your thoughts on Ross Lyon, yeah. Joe? I don't think he's the right man for the job, and I say that because you know what, he's been there before. He's done it. I mean, he left for a reason. I, I just see it a bit like a bit of a marriage breakup or a relationship breakup, you know. You break up for a reason. He left there for a reason, and I reckon soldier on and find somebody somebody else suitable. So that's my opinion. I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Do you sort of agree with me? Yeah, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I, the, I do sort of wonder, the only thing I think about with Ross Lyon is he has been out of the coaching game for a couple of years. This is maybe my... My, if I was a St Kilda fan, this would be what I'm most hesitant about. Is that yeah, he has been at the club before. It is the same club. It's a similar environment. He's going to go into. He knows the club. He knows I don't know the the four walls of the of the buildings or whatever. But uh, it is at it is a different challenge. However, so it's not like he's going back to the same thing. It is a different challenge. But he has been out of coaching for however many years now, working in the media. Does he still have? Uh, the game moves so quickly. Is he still? Does he have the right tools 
to be a coach. I think he can adapt very quickly. No doubt, he's he's a, an extremely smart coach. I think he's been one of the um, the one of the, the most well equipped coaches when he was in the game. Is there going to be a lag when he comes back? How long will it take him to reacquaint himself or sort of recalibrate his coaching brain to the modern game now that it's moved on even just a couple of years? That's the only thing I think about. Yeah. I don't know if it's your to your point. Is it a does it? Well, in your opinion, Joe, does that mean you think it comes across as maybe if he was to be hired by the Saints, does it come across as a as a tired, fatigued decision by St Kilda to bring him back? Yeah, possibly. But the other thing is, um, yeah, yeah, it probably, it probably is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's exactly how it is. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, I reckon they should just go down in a different path. Maybe give someone like an Adam Muse. Uh, a go, but because he said, I remember when the Carlton job was available and the Collingwood job was available, the, the word process was involved. Ross Lyman was sort of not interested. He said, No, I don't want to go down the process. I'm loving my role in the media. I mean, what's changed in the last six months? Mm. Does he sort of expect us to go to St Kilda, catch up for a coffee with a few of his old mates, and sort of been and get beat like he can start tomorrow, sort of thing? I don't know. It's, that's how I'm sort of taking it, is it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. Because he was adamant. He, didn't, he, he was adamant. He didn't want to go through any processes. So he basically, basically, the way he spoke to me, the way I came across, he would knock on the door and say, you know what? If the job's there, I'll take it. If I've got to go down this other path, processes, I'm not interested. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, understood. Yeah, Joe, thank you for your call, mate. No worries, mate. I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy we'll the rest of your. The sunshine, mate. Enjoy it while it <laughs> Will do. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Joe from Roeville giving us a bell. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. That has been a uh, another point, another element you can bring up uh, in this with uh, Ross Lyon is that he has said publicly, and I've um, heard other people say even sort of privately, but just really echoing what has been said publicly, is that Ross Lyon has said he likes working in the media. He hasn't really had any interest to go back to the coaching world. He said that on Footy Classified before. That story's been backed up by other people who know him uh, over, you know, and have spoken over the last couple of years uh, who have been close to him who have said he likes working in the media. And, and that's kind of been, and even just away from Ross Lyon specifically, talking more broadly about people who get out of that immediate footy bubble, being in a club and then going into the media in a media role, is that working in the media is, uh, I guess... It, it, in the immediate, it's more enjoyable, I think, and I'm not trying to say anything because I'm here working on a radio station, but it is, it is, uh, you know, you go from being a coach, which is 24-7, always hooked in, always wired up, always thinking, always, you know, struggling to go to sleep at night because you're thinking about the next day or the next game or strategies, and, and it's a high-stress job. So when you can back out of that and you can revert back to having a more sort of normal lifestyle where you can work in the media, you can talk about sport, you can talk about footy, um, it's an enjoyable job, but it's not as nowhere near as high stress as working as an AFL head coach. Why wouldn't you savor that? And Ross Lyon, I think, has savored that. Now, some people have the itch that they just have to scratch, and maybe Ross Lyon is feeling that itch now. And there's no reason why, there's no reason to admonish someone for having a change of heart or changing their mind. That happens all the time. We change our minds every day. So Ross Lyon maybe has had a change of heart. I don't think it's something that you can pin him down to. Uh, to say, well, you said you don't want to work in coaching anymore, so how can we take you seriously this time? I think you can, but that's just, we're going off simply what we have heard before is that he has said, well, he's enjoyed working in the media, doesn't have an interest in going back to coaching. That's been what we can take from him on the record. 
Um, but yeah, as I said, no reason or no, you know, there's nothing, uh, no, no harm or foul in, uh, ad- no, sorry, no reason to admonish someone and really have a gulp them for changing their mind if they want to get back into an old job, as is this case. Andrew from Nidri wants to chat about uh, Ross Lyon as well. Evening to you, Andrew. Uh, good evening. Um, I'll just turn the radio down. Uh, Ross Lyon, eh? Hey? Um, <laughs> didn't want to go through a process. Uh, didn't like the vibe at Essendon. Uh, was very relaxed about it. Wanted to stay in the media. And all of a sudden, he's been more than likely been given the uh, St Kilda job. Uh, I just think it's all too cushy for me. And us Essendon supporters are looking forward to playing St Kilda next year and uh, sorting him out. Is that something you feel like you're taking personal as a as an Essendon fan that he didn't oh, want to go to the Bombers? I I I believe in truth and openness. I don't think he was truthful. I don't think he was open. I think this was all, uh, and he looked at the timelines when all this occurred. The St Kilda review was underway. Um, he was, he, I think, he was giving a, a, a nod and a wink that, um, that the review of St Kilda was to get rid of the coach, and that he would be given the job without going through a process. That's my belief. Um, now that might be, um, uh, I suppose, a bit of. Um, uh, a hypothetical guess or, or, or a conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. but uh, it just seems too odd, too close to me to the bone that um, this has been all nicely packaged, um, and nothing gets packaged like this. Um, it's too big, and for them not to actually open the door to other applicants, have they have they actually done a shortlist of applicants? Have they interviewed anybody else? I'm not sure if if, if they've interviewed no, other people. No. I don't think they have. Mm. I don't think they have, and I don't think they will. Uh, I, I will. think this will be announced I, fairly quickly. I will agree with you on that point uh, and side with you there, Andrew, is that I think clubs have to... I think it is, it is so... Um, it really, it really is. I mean, it's incumbent on the clubs, obviously, to interview uh, multiple candidates, but I think they they... We've seen in the past too many almost horror stories of clubs who just go with the gut, go with their gut on the initial, uh, on the initial, uh, on the, on basically the first person that walks up. So we had, we had those coaches back in 2019, I think it was that, that took over their jobs uh, mid season. We had David Teague at Carlton, Ray Shaw at North Melbourne. Um, all those coaches have, have since now been moved on. Brett Ratton was one of them. Actually, he lasted a little longer. Yeah. Um, all those clubs have moved on from their coaches pretty quickly because the clubs were too hasty in, in selecting the coach that was there at the time as the interim. They didn't do their due diligence in looking at other candidates and really taking their time to think about it. And that absence, that lack of thought from the clubs uh, can hurt you, really. It's, I feel like we've seen more negative scenarios pan out over a short you know, two or three-year span in those instances where clubs don't do their due diligence than, than actual good stories. However, Andrew, just one point to what you were saying earlier, and I'm not trying to attack or be antagonistic here, but to, <laughs> to your club, Essendon, does that make it, yeah. is that a bit of a, a um, I don't know, is it, is it, a, is, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is it confront is it confronting that someone like Ross Lyon, who's been in footy for so long, he's been around, he's been around success for so long when he was at Sydney years ago and then St Kilda and he's taken teams yeah. to finals, that he wouldn't go to, he wouldn't touch Essendon. Well, that's that's what he said publicly. Now, um, as I said, I'm going to throw the the the, the uh, notion there that 
he had to say something uh, because of what he was being promised by the St Kilda hierarchy. Um, I think it was all pretty, you know, like, look, at, look. I don't think Essen, Essen hasn't, um, hasn't been a very good club over the last a number of years, you know, probably 20 years in relation to coaching and all the shenanigans which are going on at Essen. Um, um, yeah, but hopefully um, we've turned the page and hopefully our new coach is, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, takes us forward. But I think that, um, you know, it's, it's the eye of the beholder. I don't know. I don't know, um, you know, that answer. Um, but in, in relation to, um, um, you know, Lyons, um, you know, he, I don't think he's been truthful. And that's the bottom line. And maybe we've dodged a bullet. We've Fair dodged enough. a bullet another bullet. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, thank uh, you. Yeah. Thank you for airing your opinions, yeah. Andrew. I appreciate it, mate. Have a good night. Thank you, sir. Andrew from Nidri. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you'd like to get on the phones and have your say, plenty of text messages coming through as well. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. All thanks to uh, to Temper Consumers Choice winner. Temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side of this. We'll get to more of your calls, and uh, we're going to go around the sporting globe over the next uh, hour and a half uh, that we have left on the show. We're going to keep chatting about footy for a little bit. We'll chat a bit of a round ball game as Sam Kerr was uh, was honoured earlier this morning with a podium finish on the Ballon d'Or. We'll do a bit of NFL as week six wrapped up early today and some boxing as well after 7pm. All that and more coming your way on the Macca's Run this Tuesday night on SEN. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. Jordan Canellis with you, filling in for Sam Hargraves on the Macca's Run tonight. 0433981116. If you'd like to send through a text... Thanks to Tampa, or you can give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Speaking of Sam Hargraves, he's in the middle of calling uh, the uh, ICC T20 World Cup, which you can listen to uh, on the SEN app through SEN Fanatic. Uh, the Netherlands uh, defeated Namibia a few moments ago, won by five wickets, and the next match coming up is Sri Lanka and the UAE. That'll be from 7pm, so starting in about half an hour. Sam's on the SEN app calling that, so you can head on over and tune in if uh, cricket and the T20 World Cup is more your flavour. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 to give us a call, but a few text messages coming through. Um, uh, wasn't Ross up front about the fact he'd happily coached but wasn't doing the process? Uh, perhaps I think he was. He said he wasn't going to be involved in the process to be Essendon's head coach. Uh, another text says St Kilda has nowhere near the cattle it had in 2009 to 2011 or Frio in 2013. Ross couldn't win a grand final with the best sides. No way he's going to improve the Saints with this current list. Uh, another one says, why hasn't Robert Harvey's name been linked with St Kilda? He has an extensive coaching background. And Azza says, totally, totally disagree with uh, the first caller. I was working for an organisation for 15 years, left went somewhere else for four years, then back to the first place and have been there for four years now and the results have never been better for me or uh, the organisation, says Azza. So uh, real-life example of how going back to the same, or well, going back to the previous place uh, can work out. Uh, although I don't know what industry you work in, Azza. Very, um, might be football, I don't know, but it could be a very different environment to football which uh, has different elements and factors involved. But appreciate the text nonetheless and the notion. Tony from East Bentley is with us. Evening to you, Tony. How's things? All right, thanks, Jordan. Uh, just as a side, that Tim Ward I've been watching the Tessie South Australian match. Geez, he, he, he can bat. 
as an opener. Good replacement for Warner in 18 months. Uh, about St Kilda, this is reminiscent of what Lindsay Fox did to St Kilda back in 1980 when he appointed Alex Jezelinko with his famous words, to win a premiership, you need a premiership coach. And the same power brokers back then are now still fiddling with the club today. And I don't know why. They tried 40 years ago. And let's see if there's a bit of success when they have a second crack mm. at putting Ross Lyon in. Do you think he was St Kilda fan, Tony? I have been for 50 years. So do you go? Do you think that if Ross Lyon is uh, is to be appointed the new head coach, do you go into the new season with trepidation about him being in the position, off the back of what you just said? Yes, with yes, with trepidation because I cannot believe what was said at the press conference last week when they said we didn't give Brett Ratton full support in the football department, mm. and the head of the football department for two years was uh, Left Lane, who's now the CEO who reviewed the football department in the mid-season review. It's just poor corporate governance. We're making Essendon look very, very professional. Mm. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you one of the St Kilda fans who thinks there needs to be more than just the head coach? Uh, if, if the head coach at all, Brett Ratton, was to be moved on, but do you think it should be a little or should have been higher up at St Kilda? Definitely higher up. And people have had a go at James Gallagher, but he's been dealt a poor hand given our poor drafting for the past 10 years that has led us to the list today and it should have been way higher up starting with the president and the CEO Mm. fall on your sword they made the decision to reappoint Brett Ratton this is worse than uh... sorry continue sorry Jordan this is like uh, trust in England as PN it's madness. U-turns everywhere at St Kilda. <laughs> what about the on-field, the list? Do, uh, do, you have, do you think the list is in an okay spot or does it need an overhaul as well? Um, I'd really love to know with the mid-season review that, that they haven't released the members yet because I've got no notice, what weight did they give to all the injuries we had to key players? Yeah. After the mid-season break, we had Steele out, Howard was out, Ryder was out, and the list just goes on and on. Hunter Clark was out. All key players in the best 22. Mm. I don't think... Uh, and was any... Consider- my, my, so, sorry, Jordan, was any consideration given to that? Yeah. I don't think... St. K- from my opinion, I don't think St Kilda's list is, is horrid by any means. I don't think it's... A, an absolutely sparkling list from top to bottom. There's there's only a few elite players in that squad, but I don't think the bottom end is is as bad as other teams is by any means. I think it's it's a perfectly middle of the road list. I think there's good players in that team with with good ability, but it's just maybe the difference is getting the most out of those players. Maybe that's all it all it, all it takes. Is that you know maybe. I mean, <laughs> normally that's down to the coach. So maybe changing the head coach in this instance is is going to do that, but but it doesn't just fall on the head coach. It's the, the coaching team and the development coaches as well. I, th- I don't think St Kilda's list is in a terribly bad spot, but just from, I, I do, I, I agree with you on that sense about um, just from what we've heard, just from what you, the quotes that you pulled out, what we heard from that press conference last week, how this whole process has just transpired is that St Kilda do seem like a club that is in a bit of disarray behind the scenes. So I don't think it's 
people like to to and there was a text before that says, "Oh, Ross Lyon's not going to get much out of this list." Well, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think the, the major issues are all with the list either. I think I'm a bit more um, uh, a bit more forgiving of the playing list and the squad and the abilities of the players. And sometimes when stuff like this happens, it, it becomes more exposed that it's a little higher up where the issues actually are. Uh, Jordan, the list is okay. In 2020, when we made the finals, I think there was only Carlisle out, mm-hmm. but there were at least eight to ha- eight to ten players out in the second half of the year. And you, you go for someone like Darren McKenzie, who tied up in the first half of the year one side of the ground on the wing. Not the greatest player, but did his role. He was out for seven weeks after the bye. And they never covered him. Mm. Just little things like that. I'd love to know if they considered when they made the assessment on Ratton whether someone like McKenzie fell into the mid uh, the end of season review. Mm. Tony, I thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Have a good evening. You too, Jordan. Thanks very much. And uh, give a big heads up to Tim Ward. I will. Cassie. I will. I will. Thank you for the. Uh, I'll, I must tune into that now. The uh, Sheffield Shield. On at the moment, Tony from East Bentley, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Getting the thumbs up from the producers' booth out the back as well. So recommendations flying in. A uh, couple of text messages flying in as well. Ian from Southbank says, as Grant Thomas said, process is for people who don't know what to do. We don't need a best friend or a good bloke, which in my opinion is why Brett was moved on. It's an interesting text to unpack. There, process is for people who don't know what to do. Well, maybe, maybe St Kilda don't know what to do, so they have to do. The process. If now it, it was suggested, I've I've heard opinions and takes that well, the reason why Brett Ratton was moved on is because St Kilda had someone else lined up, and that's why it happened. All of a sudden, is maybe Ross Lyon was the man they had lined up, and they don't need to do a long or lengthy process to find their new coach. But I also think doing a process is also if a club, if you really don't know what to do, then a process is the right thing to do because how else are you going to find your answers unless you go through it you know, a bit more forensically and you can actually assess where things are at. The other point is, um, so on the on the mid-season review or the review that was done in the mid-season for St Kilda, if it didn't come back that the uh, people found it a bit odd that St Kilda didn't really get too involved in the in the trade period. They brought in, what, Zane Cordy, that was kind of, and lost Ben Long. That was just about what, that was it with what they did with the list. So does that mean that the mid-season review that they did came back and found that the list was fine? Because maybe that's a reflection of what St Kilda think their list is at. Now, that's coming from within the club itself. And from what we were just talking about with Tony, maybe well, we're not rating their behind-the-scenes, their their upper staff too highly uh, if, if all this has been happening. And so maybe their judgment or our opinion of their judgment isn't going to be thought of too highly either. But if they came back from whatever reviews they did mid-season and thought, well, the list is all right, maybe that's the reason why they didn't get too involved in the trade and free agency. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Keep those text messages coming through. We'll continue to read those out throughout the course of the evening. We are going to change tune for a moment, though, and just have a chat about the round ball game next here on uh, the Maccas run with uh, Sam Kerr, who finished third in the Ballon d'Or for the best player in Europe, and um, and uh, well, a point of controversy in the uh, in the space of Asian football is it another controversy around Qatar? We've had the last uh, ten years hearing about how Qatar have been so egregious in their 
uh, build up towards the World Cup. Well, now they've got another tournament that they're about to host in the world of major football. So we'll come back on the other side of this and uh, chat a bit about the round ball game. And we'll continue to switch codes over the course of the night as well with some uh, boxing and NFL on the way after seven. Uh, But we'll have a chat about football, the round ball code, next. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. Jordan Canellis filling in on the Macca's Run for Sam Hargraves. You can send us a text, 0433 98 11 16. All thanks to uh, 40 Winks. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. The Macca's Run, all thanks to McDonald's. The Monopoly game at Macca's is still on. A couple of text messages very quickly. Uh, Dave says, hey, Jordan, if the Saints score more goals than behinds, then we play finals. Unfortunately, every season our goal-kicking ratio is at the bottom of the ladder, says Dave. Dan says, I'm not sure about the list, how many A-graders are in that St Kilda team. Uh, Anonymous says, not going to uh, Essendon or Carlton was all about protecting his brand. How would it look if Ross Lyon lost out to someone else less senior? And Michael uh, from Forest Hills says, St Kilda have the most average list in the AFL. Not the worst list, but just the most average. Brett Bratton uh, did the best that he could. 0433981116 if you'd like to send through more text messages on the Macca's run this evening on SEN. Talking a bit of uh, round ball now, a bit of world football. Teo Palazzeri from the uh, A-League commentary team on Paramount and he's involved in various uh, football podcasts as well, including the National Curriculum, is with us here on SEN. Evening to you, Teo. How's things? Jordan, we're talking and the sun is up. This is unprecedented times <laughs> for two hosts of the overnight crowd. I know. <laughs> yeah, Teo is, a, is an SEN alum for those, uh, for those wondering and uh, many years spent on the overnights. I did my fair share as well. So, it's, yeah, I look out the window and it's, uh, there's sunshine outside, Teo, which is, which is unusual. It is unusual. How are things, though? What do we want to talk about? There's been a bit happening in, uh, in the world of football. This morning we had the Ballon d'Or. We had the Asian Cup announcement for the new hosts, which uh, I'll chat about in a moment, and then the uh, continuation of, uh, of the leagues as well as we come up to the hiatus in a few weeks for the World Cup. But uh, let's start off with um, the events from this morning and the, the Ballon d'Or. We'll start off with the Australian angle because Sam Kerr, who was nominated for the Ballon d'Or as the best player in Europe, uh, well, where did she finish up and, uh, and who finished on the podium for the women's Ballon d'Or? Yeah, and not totally unexpected, I think, for those that have followed women's football closely, but a, a real genuine shock for the more casual fans that might see the headlines or the clips or hear the hype uh, or, or maybe just sort of follow the news sources that are perhaps staffed by fans with keyboards rather than impartial journalists. And I think there was a lot of parochialism around Sam Kerr's push, and and for the very good reason that this was her year, if she was going to win it, the reigning holder, Alexia Pateas, had just missed uh, the women's Euros with a torn ACL. But it seems as though the strength of her club season, playing for the Barcelona team that won all 30 of their league games and had a ridiculous goal difference of more than 100 uh, and made it to the Women's Champions League final was enough to get her over the line and uh, Australia is left to lament that uh, we are still yet to win the world's biggest prize for men or women. Do you think the uh, the selection of Alexia Pateas as the Ballon d'Or was, was that the popular uh, way to go? Uh, look, I think that Beth Mead's performances for England during the Women's Euros winning player of the tournament was a more compelling case, even though she didn't have a great club season and maybe someone like Alexandra Pock, who 
uh, scored six goals and lifted Germany into the final only to miss the final injured. But the key is she didn't play at all during club season because she was rehabbing an injury. So like, I'm talking about a fairly thin field here where a consistent performer like Sam Kerr had every opportunity. But I think what was damning for Kerr is Chelsea went out of the Women's Champions League in the group stage and Pateus's Barcelona went all the way to the final. And also, the voting system changed this year. Only the top 50 nations in the FIFA rankings got to vote, and the vast majority of those are based in Europe. Kerr was actually the only player from the Asian Football Confederation that was on the 20-player shortlist, and there was only one player from Africa, only one player from South America. So uh, this award skews very European. And, of course, the United States are the reigning world champion, and I don't think they had a player in the top six or seven. So, clearly, Europe dominates uh, this award, and I think there is, Jordan, just a little bias against players that play for English clubs as well, which has been borne out very much so in the men's award over the last 50 years as well. Just to clarify, so the Ballon d'Or is uh, the actual criteria for, for winning the Ballon d'Or, being nominated. Is it playing in Europe, or is it worldwide, no restrictions? It is worldwide. It used to only be for players from Europe until the mid-90s, which is why if you look at the record books, say in 1986, Diego Maradona doesn't win. It's because it was only for European players. But it's that history and that prestige, which is what makes it such a big award compared to, say, the FIFA best, which, let's not forget, Sam Kerr may also be a chance of winning. And that's when we'll get the, uh, the Puskas Award for the best goal scored in football in the last calendar year and things like that. So it's worth remembering that France Football, the, uh, the newspaper slash magazine, runs the Ballon d'Or, but a, a little bit like how every year we debate the Brownlow medal being voted on by the umpires rather than you know, a different group of ex-players or journalists or you know, an appointed committee. You know, the prestige and the history and the way it is voted for are all intertwined as one. Without the voting system, you don't have the prestige and the history that's attached to the award. Do you find it a little uh, warped, maybe, that we talk about the performance of the team that the player is in rather than the the feats or the ability of the player themselves? So, I mean, no doubt Alexia Pateas is an amazing player. She is, she, you know, she's been voted as the Ballon d'Or winner multiple times now and a lot of people do think she is actually the best player in the world. But off, off the back of what you've just said and, and outlined the seasons that each player has had, uh, I do feel like around the Ballon d'Or, not just for the women, but the men as well, which we'll chat about in a second, which is actually the men probably uh, are more to what I'm talking about is talking about the players' um, ability. But we do talk a lot about the team, what the team has achieved throughout the season when talking about an individual award. Yeah, but I mean, we, we're, we're coming to the end of the era where Cristiano Ronaldo and, and Leo Messi have just been um, you know, irresistible forces as individuals within a team sport. And so... I think the level of expectation that if you are the best player in the world, you can put a team on your back and carry them like the way, say, Messi did getting Argentina to the 2014 Men's World Cup final. I think it's not completely unfair to say if you are supposedly the best player in the world, you should be able to lift your team to a great achievement, even if you have great teammates. And, and you mentioned Pateas, her teammate Aitana Bonmati of Barcelona was fifth. So, in theory, that team does have the advantage of having two of the best five players in the world, at least as far as the Ballon d'Or is concerned. But you can't help but think that if Sam Kerr even has an average game rather than a below-average game, Australia beats Korea in the Asian Cup, and all of a sudden we're in a final with a 50-50 shot of winning it against Japan. And if Kerr is standing on the dais holding up the Asian Cup trophy back in January, I think her case is far stronger 
and also the ability for us to say she was robbed would also uh, ring far truer. Now to the men's Ballon d'Or, Karim Benzema from France and uh, and Real Madrid, he took out the ba- the Ballon d'Or at the age of thirty four in uh, in what is really the the peak of his career. He's he was he's always been a, a world class striker at Real Madrid, but tailed away for a few seasons there when he was reaching his thirties. Um, there was talk that he might be transferred out of Real Madrid. They held on to him, and since then he's he's his second peak now that he's currently in the middle of. Uh, probably as the world's best striker right now is, I would think, higher than the peak he reached in his 20s when he was also considered one of the best strikers in the world. He's taken out the Ballon d'Or. Sadio Mane and Kevin De Bruyne were uh, second and third from uh, from Bayern Munich and Manchester City, respectively. The Asian representation was there as well. Son Hyun Min finished 11th, uh, the South Korean who plays for Tottenham. But for Karim Benzema, this is one of the uh, this is one of my favorite stories from this era of football is is his second wave and just how good he has been and in particular when he carried or helped uh, I won't say carried because they're a gun team but helped Real Madrid to winning the Champions League last season yeah you're spot on and, and I think some of the reasons for this second peak include the fact that the the blackmail uh, criminal case which was taken against him uh, which ran for years and it, it quite clearly affected his play it's almost like he's making up for the lost time as that hung over his career for a number of seasons. And he was also exiled from the French national team during that time as well, and now has made peace with Didier Deschamps, the national manager, and is going to be a key pillar of France's attempts to retain the World Cup. So it's almost like, you know, we know that Cristiano Ronaldo, Leo Messi, uh, players playing into their mid to late 30s have shown what is possible with modern sports science. It also perhaps replicates what Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal have done in tennis. You know, the idea of a career uh, curtailing and winding down in your early 30s is, is now no longer uh, an idea. And it's worth remembering that the exuberance of youth surrounds Benzema in that Real Madrid team because he has Vinicius Jr. and Rodrigo, the two Brazilians that are able to you know, combine in a, a devastating front three. And he is the centrepiece that finishes so many of the chances that they create. And, and he is perhaps the, the most obvious and deserving winner now that the Messi versus Ronaldo annual debate has finally subsided. Yeah, it's it's over, isn't it? Ronaldo wasn't anywhere near the top 10. I think he was just outside the 20, and Messi wasn't on the leaderboard at all. So is that it? Are we done? Is that Ronaldo-Messi over? It's kind of sad. It, it is kind of sad, especially if one of them goes on to win the World Cup in Qatar because the next award won't be voted on until the end of the next club season. So Messi would have to come back to PSG and, and potentially win the Champions League. And as we know, Ronaldo's form at Manchester United isn't going to win him any individual awards again, I would suggest, because he's not even starting for them, unless uh, Eric Ten Hag's hand is forced by injury or suspension. So, yes, that era is over. But I think it's exciting for football because yeah. while Benzema wins as a 34-year-old now, we're about to embark on a new era of new names and new faces and yeah, the likes of a Vinicius Junior could be the man standing on that podium this time next year. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, the um, uh, with the, the sentiment that it's it's exciting for football now because it, you know previous years you'd look at the Ballon d'Or leaderboards if you're just going off Ballon d'Or and you'd see Ronaldo and Messi in the top two in any order, and then it feels like the rest of the the leaderboard beneath them were a rung below. But now you look across and there's a nice good spread of of world class players, and yeah, Vinicius and Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe will be. The next generation, Teo. Before I let you go, um, the uh, decision to uh, well, the the Asian Cup had to be recast. Its host uh, was going to be China, I believe, for the start of next season uh, or the start of the next calendar year. 
uh, had to be uh, redone because they're not going there. And Qatar was picked as the host for the Asian Cup, um, slated for 2023, maybe 2024. But after all we've had over the last decade of Qatar and, um, you know, we're all looking forward to the World Cup, but obviously there is a pretty serious undertone to, to all the misdemeanours that the nation has committed uh, leading up to Qatar. Does it... Uh, ha- does it are you as confounded as I that uh, the AFC have gone and approved that Qatar will host the Asian Cup, another tournament, in a couple of months? I'm not, because Qatar has been both FIFA and the AFC's get-out-of-jail-free card all through the pandemic, hosting World Cup qualifiers as neutral venues. They, they even hosted New Zealand and Oceania World Cup qualifying and New Zealand's match against Costa Rica to try and qualify for the World Cup. They, they've essentially be under the pressure of hosting a World Cup and needing to literally sports wash public opinion have, have picked up the tab for a whole lot of things that FIFA and AFC needed a, a bailout for and the Asian Cup is the latest in a long line. All I can say is the soccer is record in Qatar is pretty good, stretching all the way back to the 2011 Asian Cup, which Qatar hosted, where, of course, Australia made the final and lost in extra time to Japan. So it's uh, off in the distance. We don't know who's going to be coaching the Socceroos. We don't know if generational change will have swept through. I think the feeling is the tournament's going to be moved to January 2024, and it won't be held in June 2023. It'll actually be pushed back another six months. So watch out for that. But uh, you know what, Jordan? We're going to hold our nose and, and grin and bear it and watch the World Cup uh, coming up in a couple of months. And I guess we'll do it again for the Asian Cup as well. Tao, it's always good chatting to you. Uh, enjoy the rest of the daylight <laughs> as I let you go. And uh, thank you for joining us. We'll, uh, we'll chat soon on SEN. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Tao Palazzeri with us here on the Macca's Run this Tuesday evening on SEN, A-League commentator with Paramount. Uh, yeah, that's um, the Asian Cup in, uh, well, meant to be next year, but 2024. Australia, of course, the winners of the Asian Cup back in 2015, two editions ago with Ange Postacoglu. So it's the the major Asian tournament in world football. And uh, some big Premier League results over the weekend as well, which we didn't even touch on, but uh, I will mention uh, that uh, Arsenal now clear on top of the Premier League table as an unabashed Arsenal fan. Uh, thank you, Liverpool. Uh, one of the few times I will say that for uh, defeating Manchester City and just helping the Gunners create a bit of a gap on the rest of the league uh, in the EPL. We'll take a break. We'll close out the first hour here uh, of our little two-hour edition of uh, the Macca's Run slash Sporting Capital next here on SEN. Jordan Canellas filling in for Sam Hargraves tonight on the Macca's Run. The Monopoly game at Macca's is still on. Don't forget, SEN Fanatic is where you can go tonight if you want to tune in to some live sport to uh, listen to the uh, what is it the Super 12 stage, I think they're officially calling it, in the T20 World Cup. Uh, we've got uh, Sri Lanka coming up next, as a matter of fact. Uh, the Netherlands defeated Namibia earlier, and Sri Lanka play the UAE in a couple of minutes from now. Um, I want to ask a, just a, it's a tongue-in-cheek question, but it's tongue-in-cheek but serious, but it's a bit, a bit more light humour. I was looking around the... Uh, the scores apps today in the morning when I normally wake up, I'll have a look at what happened overnight and I uh, sort of stumbled across the Rugby League World Cup and I saw there was a match this morning between France and Greece. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. What are some of the oddest things you've seen in sport? Because I had no idea that Greece had a Rugby League national team and so I looked into the squad and I thought, oh, surely they're all just NRL players with, you know, a Greek grandmother. No, there's actually players that play that are Greek-born players who play rugby league in Greece for a Greek club. So this is like a legit national team. That's that's an odd thing. That's odd. I'm Greek. We don't play rugby league normally. <laughs> that's not part of our culture. But there is a Greek rugby league team. 
odd things you've spotted in sport. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Just to just to lighten up. Well, it's been a fun day. I'm not going to say it's been a dim day. Just give us uh, give us a bit of humour. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.